Ford. Hey, greetings, everybody. This is John Morgan with Tim Hargrove, and we are presenting our Economic Empowerment Masterclass 101.4. Woohoo! <laughs> what that means is that we're in our first Economic Empowerment Masterclass. We call that one 101, obviously, and we're in lesson four of six. So there's four masterclasses in the series, and they all have six lessons each. Is that confusing, Tim? Does that make sense? No, very simple. And uh, it's been great uh, so far. And uh, every time we go through it, I learn new stuff. So it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear what we're going to say. So yeah. uh, so the, <laughs> this master class we call Foundations for Success. And the reason why we wanted to uh, do this one first is because we'll start with the principles, uh, the economic principles that, man, they're life-changing. We'll start in the next master class. But we just sort of want to start on point one with that because you know like a farmer prepares the ground for good seed we wanted to get the ground of your heart and your mind uh prepared well so that when you hear the seed of these great principles uh you can accept them strongly and quickly and some really good fruit uh can come out of it so we call this master class foundations for success this particular lesson we're calling uh the three sources of our economic empowerment principles so um let me, I'm going to go into um, our graphic here that we want to show you in, uh, in this one. And so kind of coming back to what we shared with you in the first lesson in this master class is we're talking about how that we're going to be teaching you uh, this virtuous cycle of prosperity. And so what each of these three parts of this graphic represent are the three principles of economic empowerment that we'll be teaching you. We'll be teaching you how to apply it and we'll be teaching you 10 practices of how you put it to work. We're gonna do that for each one of these three. And uh, so uh, Tim, the reason why we're doing this lesson is because, um, you know, if somebody comes along and says, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you some stuff that is some really important truth and I'm telling you, if you will organize your life around it, it will change your life for the better. If somebody's telling me that, I, I'd kind of like some evidence that, yeah. you know, I ought to listen. Yeah, and, no, I totally agree. Yeah. So that's why I feel like we need to give these sources. I mean, is, is, is that how you feel about it? Yeah. You know, there's so much uh, different, there are many different viewpoints uh, and any, everything from um, quick, get rich quick ideas and schemes to prosperity theology to all kinds of things that are really not grounded well and so i think it's critically important that we come in and say hey these are the sources this is why it's trustworthy this is why it's proven yeah so that's what we're uh doing in this lesson and uh, so let me talk to you about the sources of economic empowerment of our economic empowerment principles. I say they're ours. I mean, it's the ones that we use, but we didn't originate them. But where did they come from? They came from three places. The first place they came from uh, was from the study of economics. So the, the word economics, I think, is scary to a lot of people because they feel like, oh my gosh, it's just such a vast, complicated field. You can never get your head around all that kind of stuff, or it was the most boring class or topic <laughs> I've ever heard of. I too think that a lot of economics is very boring and inane, but there's a certain part of economics that to me is extremely fascinated. And it's always been a field of interest and study uh, for me. Just what does that word, how does that word strike you, Tim, economics? Yeah, for, for I would say for most of my life, John, you've converted me. 
uh, that this can be an yes. interesting. Yes, that this can be an interesting topic. Um, you know, most of my life, John, I think I've probably felt like um, it was it was either over my head, or it was out of my circle of purpose, and yeah. so that I didn't really take it and think it applied to me. Right. And of course, now I know um, that's just not true. I've actually ignored it for too long uh, in my life, to be honest. Okay. So, and, and to me, the most interesting part of it is where we focus is what are the principles or what are the causes of poverty and what are the causes of prosperity? If, yeah. if you understand that, to me, that's pretty darn relevant yeah. uh, to life. So, so that's, that's what we're focusing on. And, and so what I want to do is I want to just show you as, as we, as it, it, both in our power book and as we go through these master classes, occasionally we will refer to some classic books and works in the field of economics. But let me just show you, uh, I'm going to show you four. I know this is a lot for one screen and, and it's not real big print and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't want to overwhelm you with going into a lot of detail of it. But let me just, let me just share with you four that are all kind of in the same camp of what we're talking about. Okay. We're going to, we're going to the top, top uh, left over here. We're going to go back in time to 1689. That was uh, quite a while back, uh, 1689. And the author's name was John Locke. He wrote two treatises of government. And so here's, here's what is interesting about this work. John Locke was a Christian theologian. He was an economist. He was a philosopher. And, um, he wrote the first, what I consider really a complete treatment of integrating both Christian theology and economics, and then principles of politics, or what kind of laws ought there to be if you put all these together properly. So here's what John Locke said, kind of his, his, some of his essential things that he said was this. He said that God has given each person the right to own and to determine their own life. You own your life, you own your body, you own your mind, you own your time, you own your energy. That is yours. You own it. And you have the right to decide what to do with that and, and where you want to work and what kind of work you want to do. And you also own what is created by your work. And you also own what you buy through your labor, you're able to make money or make an exchange. You own whatever you were able to buy, whatever property you were able to buy. So kind of his classic statement was, is we have the right, we have the God-given right to life, liberty, and property. So, so the other thing that he said is that the purpose of government is to protect these rights. And if a government does not protect that right, you have the God-given right to change that government and create a government that does protect that right. Well, what a lot of people are not aware of is this was the most influential work on the U.S. Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. A lot of people think that, that Thomas Jefferson was the original author of the wording of the Declaration of Independence. He was not. A lot of the language, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness it got edited into pursuit of happiness, not life, liberty, and property. But so many of the phrases in both the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution are lifted right out of the two treatises of government. So huge influential work on thinking of uh, economics. Let me go a little quicker in the next one. 
Uh, this one was written in 1905 by Max Weber. I'm down here in the bottom left, The Protestant Ethic and the Spirit of Capitalism. Max Weber was a German sociologist. He wasn't coming from a Christian point of view. What he was doing is he was saying, look, from, six, from the 1600s to 1900 in Europe, there was an economic revolution that brought a huge amount of people out of poverty into essentially a middle class in Europe. It was one of the biggest economic revolutions that had happened in the history of the world. And his question as a sociology was what caused that? You know what his answer was? In short, Christianity. He said, when you go look around Europe at these places and, and, and the people who are causing this to happen, they're the Protestant Christians and they do it because it's, it's part of their religion. They believe it is God is calling them to create this value in the world. And by doing that, they're growing the kingdom of God. That's why he calls it the Protestant ethic and the spirit of capitalism. By spirit, he meant they believe this at a spiritual level. Their spiritual belief drives their mental belief, which drives their actions. We talked about that last lesson, Tim, right? When we were yeah. talking about, you got to change the spirit first before you can change the mind on a lot of things. Yeah, it's interesting to me, John, that, uh, you know, he's not a believer. So his, in his work in sociology, he's drawing this conclusion, um, looking at it really as an outsider and just seeing what are the results? What's driving this transformation that's happening in Europe? Yeah. Let me give you one other, uh, another one. This is from an American author. Uh, he, he passed away several years ago. His name is Michael Novak. Michael Novak was a Catholic theologian and also an economist and a sociologist. He wrote The Spirit of Democratic Capitalism. Here is his thesis of the book. He said he was saying that religious freedom, political freedom, and economic freedom are essential for a free, just, and prosperous society. He was also saying that to have one of these, either religious or political or economic freedom, you have to have the other two. In other words, if you don't have political freedom and economic freedom, you will not have religious freedom. In fact, we're seeing that threat in some in our country today. And if you don't have religious freedom, you're not going to have political and economic freedom and so on. And he goes on to say that Christianity has been the greatest protector of uh, all three of those. And uh, but but it's freedom for what is so that you can practice the principles that, that, that we're going to be talking about. And so those are affirmed in, in his book. Um, and then one more uh, written in 2000 by Hernando de Soto. Hernando de Soto is from Lima, Peru. Um, he's a he's a university professor and also is the founder and director of a think tank that is dedicated to solving poverty around the world. And they have just done a ton of research on this issue of poverty. He's one of the world experts on the topic of poverty and prosperity. But he wrote this book called The Mystery of Capital, uh, of Capital, and then the subtitle is Why Capitalism Triumphs in the West and Fails Everywhere Else. And here's his, here's his thesis. The difference between the prosperous and the poor of the world is, a, is that the prosperous have a legal uh, a way to legally own property. Um, and I would, I would also say that when you get into his works, the three principles that we talk about, he keeps going to them over and over and over. These are the bedrocks of what, what creates prosperity and the poor do not have them. So uh, there's a few 
uh, from the world of economics, and uh, we just didn't pull this stuff out of the air. I mean, there's a there's yeah. a huge body of of uh, research behind it. Yeah, you know, Hernando de Soto's story is pretty amazing, and um, and then the research that he came back to do on his own country of origin, and just the commitment that he's had to it. Um, I feel like that his love for his own country really drove um, his effort. Yeah. Yeah, one of the biggest slums in the world is on uh, the south end of Lima, Peru. When I was 16 years old, I went on a missions trip with my father. My, my mom and dad went there and and uh, was doing some missions work, and I got to go on that trip. And, and, and they took us to see this massive slum. I mean, it blew me away as a kid to see this thing. But a lot of uh, DeSoto's research has been in that slum and helping people in that slum environment to escape poverty has been, and, and, and we'll, we'll tell some of the story of it later in, uh, in our master classes, but it's, it's phenomenal stuff. Okay, so that's, uh, that's kind of from that world. So that was from the world of economics. Uh, let me talk to you about it. We, we, it also comes from the, the, the background of history. You can historically look at these principles and see how they did or did not work. One of my favorite organizations is a think tank called the Heritage Foundation. I think they are one of the best organizations that tries to affect politicians and political thinking uh, in America to preserve freedom and to grow freedom. And one of the things they do is they produce the annual index of economic freedom where they rank all the nations of the world based on how free they are or how unfree, how economically free or unfree they are. Um, in this map, uh, the blue, blue countries are the most free. So you see where, where that's located. And then the green less, and then the yellow pretty bad. And then the, the reddish uh, tannish really bad. And um, so just a couple of interesting observations. Um, one is Israel. This is Israel right here. Israel is part of the most free. It's a, what we call a first world developed country. It is completely surrounded by third world countries. When you cross the border from Israel to any of the Arab countries around it, you immediately go into third world conditions. Uh, and the reason why is because their societies are built on different principles. And, and the free ones are built on the principles we're talking about. Another example over here in this part of the world is the difference between North and South Korea. South Korea is part of the most free. North Korea, part of the world's worst in the world and one of the worst dictatorships in the, in the world. So quite a, quite a contrast there. But economic freedom to what? When you, when you go into the details of what they are uh, uh, analyzing and what are the factors that they go in to rank the countries from best to worst, they are freedom to do the principles that we are talking about and the practices that we are talking about. So, um, yeah, Tim, what what uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's in it's interesting to me, John, that we can look at the world and we can get a snapshot like this and say, um, here's one of the reasons why things are different in different parts of the world, and um, those reasons matter. And so again, it helps to take some of the mystery out of uh, solving poverty when we can look at that and understand there are real things that need to happen in countries. And it also gives us real wisdom, I think, as we think about leadership and what really needs to happen to bring about change in many of these places. 
one of the examples that you and I are familiar with and uh, we, we, we use is, is this story. Forbes magazine has an article, it's called The Tale of Two Economies, Singapore and Cuba. So Fidel Castro lived from 1926 to 2016. And uh, for a, a lot of that time, he was the dictator, uh, the, the, the ruler of, of Cuba. Uh, Lee Kuan Yew uh, was the president of Singapore. And um, they lived closely to the, to the same era with each other. But both of them began uh, economic experiments in their country that started in the same year, 1959. <laughs> I, I follow that with interest because I was born in 1959. So the time that I've been on this earth is the time that these experiments have been going on in these countries. And uh, so the experiment uh, that Fidel Castro tried was an experiment of socialism and communism. And that's why he would often wear fatigues uh, because within the socialist communist uh, 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 setting, you use the force of the of the government and the military to enforce all of your rules because people don't want to follow them by themselves. You have to force it on them. So it really is a, a military dictatorship. And it was in his case to force these rules upon the people of, of Cuba. He promised them an economic paradise would come about by what they were going to do. And uh, they began that experiment in 1959. Cuba is still under uh, uh, Fidel's brother, Raul Castro, is still under the, uh, the socialist and communist regime. In contrast, Lee Kuan Yew um, in 1959 made a decision. And his decision was he was sick and tired of Singapore being a third world poverty dump. And he made a decision, we are going to study the most prosperous countries in the world. And we're going to learn their principles and we're going to learn their practices and we're going to do it. Yeah. And so he intentionally uh, began working in that direction and uh, history tells the results. So this is, uh, these pictures are shown in that Forbes magazine article. So Cuba in the 1950s, uh, one of its busier streets in uh uh, in, in, in downtown Havana, uh, looked like this with all the billboards and busyness and cars and people and activity going on. This is what Cuba looks like today. It's a run down dump. The people live under uh, 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 oppression. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible mess. In fact, you look at the cars there, the only, it's the same cars it's just now the cars are old. Are, are old. <laughs> the cars there were, were new and gleaming, but they're still running those, repairing those same uh, DACM cars to, to keep them going. A lot of people think that's kind of cool and romantic, but no, the, the backstory of it is really horrible. Very sad. Singapore in the 1950s, you know, again, was just a, a third world poverty mess. Today, Singapore is number one on Heritage Foundation's uh, countries of economic freedom, number one, even above America. In fact, there's, there's several big organizations. Uh, there's the World Bank. There's a number of organizations that they rank countries by how good are they to do business in that country. And Singapore, among a number of them, is ranked in the top three. Not only that, but today, Singapore has a higher Per capita income, I mean, the average person's income in Singapore uh, and their buying power 
is higher than the average person in the United States or uh, European countries. I mean, it's it, it's phenomenal what Singapore has become today. They, uh, I mean, there's so many cool things that Singapore has done. Their airport, they have the greatest airport in the world. It's it's this huge mall. It's a huge entertainment district. It's a huge restaurant district. It's a huge uh, tourist district. Some people, when they travel around the world, they intentionally stay overnight in the Singapore airport just to take in all of the tourist attractions that are in that airport. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's amazing. So, Tim, I know you shared this story with uh, some people that you were training recently, and, yeah. and I, you know, I think they were just really this really meant something to them. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, late late last year, I um, was. Spent five weeks um, doing training with a group in the Philippines. Uh, amazing people that really care about their country. And when I shared this story, um, it was a real attention getter because they they their country's you know very close to here. And the big thing, John, that came across was well, why? What happened between 1959 to this our recent times uh, when this took place? And um, it was very interesting to them. And I, and I told them, I said, if you'll stay with this course, by the time we're done, you're going to know the answer to that question. Yep. You'll understand what, what took place that brought about such um, opposite results in these two countries. It's interesting, John, according to the Forbes article, um, Cuba was wealthier, was a wealthier nation than Singapore yeah. Yeah. in 1950. Yes, they were, they were. And so it's a great article. I definitely encourage people to go read it. Um, but again, this is a powerful illustration of the principles work, they're proven and history. There are many historical examples that show that these principles are proven. And I would say, once you know the principles, you realize that the, the, the principles are not complicated. They're not difficult to understand. They're not. It takes it, it takes work and consistent work to apply them, but it's not difficult to understand. I, 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 almost anybody can get it. Yeah, yeah. So it was exciting for this uh, Asian country to look at their, they're looking at their own country, which is in a very different state, and then looking there and saying, hey, it gives us hope. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. So the third and final source of our economic empowerment principles is uh, the Bible, not only economics and history, but the Bible. So um, I, I brought up a, a graphic from our power book. It's page number four of our power book, where we're just introducing, starting to introduce this idea that it's part of the biblical worldview. It's part of the biblical teaching on these things. So it, we are taught that God is the creator of all things, both the material and the spiritual worlds. And he has established the principles of how both work. So God, God is the author of all the spiritual world, but he built the material world and the economics is part of that material world. Also, he's designed how that works. Um, one of the key principles is rooted in, in this, that God is the creator and he created us in his image to create new value on earth. I'm going to save my fire on that one till later. Let's go to this one. God gave his people property rights. I'm not going to say a lot about that right now either. I'm just going to tell you when you trace the history of property rights, it's going to take you back to the Bible and to the Old Testament. And then thirdly, business done properly is a righteous activity. This is an important teaching of the Bible that dates all the way back to Genesis, and it's repeated over and over in the book of Genesis. 
So our core principles keep coming up in the book of Genesis. And I want to refer to, uh, here's what's interesting. In, in the last couple of years, there's been a number of Jewish Bible students, scholar, teachers that are, that are saying the same things that a number of Christian scholars are saying about these principles of, of economic empowerment that are in the Bible. One of them is Dennis Prager. Another one is, uh, is, is Rabbi uh, uh, Daniel Lappin. But one that I just recently came across, I really like this guy. I heard a podcast uh, from him, and I got his book, The Tree of Life, uh, which is a, a, a study on the book of Genesis on really economic principles. And by the way, Michael Eisenberg, he's the founder of a venture capital company. And really, he's one of the key guys starting the whole venture capital industry in the country of Israel. He's Israeli. He was born in America. He, he migrated, uh, immigrated to Israel. He started the Aleph uh, Venture Capital Company in Israel. So he's a very respected business leader uh, in Israel and, and, and in America, but he's also been a, a Jewish Bible scholar of the Old Testament for a long time and for a lot of his life. And here's what he says. He says, from Adam to his children and to the next generations after Adam and to Noah, we're going to be teaching you some interesting things that I bet you don't know about Noah, uh, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Genesis is a book of economic principles for human prosperity. And uh, I, I, I agree with him. And through both Christian and, and Jewish uh, theologians, these, these principles keep coming up that these were clearly grounded in God's word to help God's people prosper in the world. So, uh, Tim, how are you feeling about that? Are, 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 you buying, are you buying it? Are you buying what we're selling? I am, John. Uh, you know, it was uh, just this week I listened to an interview of, uh, of Dave Ramsey, who's one of the most well-known economic advisors uh, in America, one of the most trusted people in America and has the second largest radio broadcast in the world on the topic of money. And he was being interviewed by a, a Christian businessman who's well known as well. They're both they're both Christians, and he was asked the question, um, "What about get rich quick schemes? And what about cryptocurrency? And what about all these things?" And his answer was very telling. He said this. He said, "Well, you have the freedom to go place your hard-earned money uh, on black at a roulette wheel if you want." But he said, I invest in things that are proven. Mm -hmm. And he just said, look, put, put your money. His whole work is built around the fundamentals of economic development and business. And he says, make a sure bet. Uh, yeah. Bet on the things that are proven, not the things that are unproven. Yeah. And that's what we're offering here. This is no get rich quick thing. Yeah. Um, this is totally the opposite of that. Right. So I'm going to, uh, as we get through these master classes, I'll be talking about a couple of times in my life where I really had an aha moment. Maybe we'd call it an epiphany, but it was just like, man, it dawned, something dawned on me. And when it dawned on me, it changed the trajectory of my life. So one of those came about 10, 10 to 12 years ago. I was really doing a lot of research on the problem of poverty how to solve poverty, who in the world 
is actually getting it done and having the biggest results are actually getting people out of poverty. Who's trying really hard, but it isn't working. <laughs> Their methods are, are not working. What are the characteristics that keep plaguing poverty communities? And, and just on and on and on looking for these principles. And so the principles from an economic and from a practical historical, it's what's happening in the world. They kept rising to the top. These principles kept rising to the top. So, um, you know, I've got degrees in theology. I've pastored for 30 years. I've studied the Bible all my life. So studying the Bible is just part of my life. And, and start studying these issues and economics and history have been part of my life. And these principles started to emerge. And then all of a sudden, and, I, and when I saw it, I couldn't believe I didn't see it before. All of a sudden it hit me, these core principles, what I believe were the most important principles you have to understand to solve poverty or to create prosperity, they're in the Bible. And, and, and they're rooted in the first book of the Bible, and they start in the first chapter of the Bible. And so to me, it was like, whoa, you know, it's like <laughs> the lights turned on. I was like, yeah. yes, my life makes sense. All this weirdness <laughs> of my life. I was trying to figure out, I'm, I'm drawn to theology and I'm drawn to leadership, but I'm drawn to economics and history. And why am I such a nerd? Uh, it's just, it, it just, it, it made, it made sense. Um, so look, if I had just come to this from an economic point of view, I would not be motivated to do what I do. Right. But because I know that it's rooted in the Bible, I know this is God's truth. Yeah. And I, and, and what I know about God's truth is that it has God's power behind it to change your life, to change society and to change the world. It does solve poverty. It does create prosperity. It does give you the resources to grow the kingdom of God on earth. I mean, this stuff is just, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And, and it, the biblical co component on it is what just, I mean, to me, that it became calling. This is the calling of your life to help people get out of poverty, to empower the global church, to help individual people live out their purpose that God has called them to. So, um, Man, some people may look at me and think, well, that's a weird way you got there, but that's how I got there. And man, that's where I am. So you're in on it too, brother. So how you feel? How you feel? Yeah. About well, you know, I feel the same sense of calling because of that journey. And uh, I'm glad that um, God took you on that journey. And uh, again, this didn't emerge overnight. This, this came over a long time of us working with people, traveling to different countries. I've mentioned that I got tired of going in countries and leaving and just doing charity work that doesn't the next year when I go back, nothing's any different. Yeah. And yeah. this is the opposite of that. This is coming in saying we're focusing on, on empowerment truth here that truly brings change in people's lives over the long haul. And uh, that's what I love. That's, that's something that makes me feel good. And that's why I want to encourage people take the, take the time, make the investment in yourself and in your own life. Look, go through these courses uh, because of these sources of truth yeah. are so proven incredible. It works. Yeah, it does work. So I'm going to go back to uh, some graphics for uh, wrapping up this uh, lesson. And so let me uh, 
move us forward to the wrap up with several points. Uh, one is I want to call you to our website, which is www.peopleprosper.org. And that's where you can access uh, all of our resources. Uh, in fact, we have a, a whole page that the title of it is resources. So if you go to resources, you'll be able to find how do you get the power book. Uh, you can get the digital version of it from our website, or if you want the printed version of the power book, you can get it from amazon.com. I uh, also want to encourage you to buy your masterclass bundle where you get this whole series. So if you go to resources and pick masterclasses, it'll, it'll show you your best bundle options that are available um, at the time that you're checking it out. Um, I also want to encourage you to contact us for group rates. So we have another page called Book Us, and Book Us means book us for a phone call or a Zoom meeting, or if you want to, if you want to send us a text message um, or, or, or email, it's, it's got all of our contact. But uh, what we mean by that is if you have a group, like a, a church group, uh, where you have a, a bunch of uh, small groups that want to go through this, or any other kind of group where you're trying to take groups of people through it, um, groups of groups is what we would like to see. Um, and you want to, and you want to uh, talk to us about a group rate, we'll work with you on that. If you're working in a high poverty area around the world and you want to get access to these master classes and our materials, uh, to the people that you're working with, uh, that's, uh, the, the people who pay for these resources, they're helping fund our work to provide it free for the poor around the world. So we will work with you to get that in the hands of the people that uh, you are working with. That's a very exciting part of the work that yeah. we're doing. Um, one other thing that uh, I would like to ask you to do is if you were, uh, became aware of this through social media, or if you're, if you're watching these classes because of uh, social media, would you like us and would you share us in doing that? You'll help us build our empowerment community. So so yeah, Tim, um, man, we're, we're cruising along here and yeah. uh, about ready to wrap this one up. So um, I want to leave it with this final benediction. And that is until uh, we see you next time. Let me leave you with this, uh, Tim. I want you and me and everybody else to go forth and conquer. You ready to do that? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, brother. See you next time. See everybody next time. Bye-bye.